Good morning, and welcome to On Target, a radio ministry of Village Bible Church in Hot Springs Village. We are located near the Coronado Center at 100 Ponderosa Way. Our Sunday morning service starts at 9.15 a.m. We hope you will enjoy and benefit from the sermon you will hear this morning. Now sit back and relax as you listen to a message by Senior Pastor Dr. Jason Lancaster. Well, this morning I'm going to talk to you about patience, and I want to share a very insightful definition from a 92-year-old man. This is a definition from scholar and author J.I. Packer. Patience is the Christ-like reaction to all that is maddening. Patience is the Christ-like reaction to all that is maddening. What areas of your life are currently maddening? What areas of your life are in need of patience and Christ-like reaction? Well, let's start with those who need our patience the most, people. And the kind of people I have in mind are the harsh people and the difficult people. The Bible talks about both, harsh people and difficult people, and I think it's important to make a distinction. Harsh people often in the Bible are those who are persecuting Christians, those who are coming down hard on believers. And maybe you have people in your life that are very harsh due to your faith in Jesus Christ. What is the mindset you are to have as you interact with them? Well, the mindset, according to the Bible, is that God is in control and one day he will judge. And the context of this understanding comes from 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 18 through 25. I'm just going to hit on a couple of verses this morning to motivate you to patience with harsh people. Now, the context here is servants being subject to harsh masters. Verse 18 of 1 Peter 2. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and gentle, but also to those who are unreasonable. For this finds favor, if for the sake of conscience toward God, a person bears up under sorrows when suffering unjustly. The idea if you're suffering at the hands of harsh people, you are to have a mind and a heart that is focused on God and the future coming judgment. And in the context of this passage, this is exactly what Jesus Christ did. As he was suffering unjustly, he did not strike back, but entrusted himself to his Father who sees and judges justly. And like Christ, when people are pressing down hard on you, maybe for your faith in Christ, you are to see that God is in control and there is a coming judgment. But be careful here. Because sometimes people that are difficult need a different motivation within you to be patient with them that is not along the lines of judgment. Because there are difficult people in our lives, whether they be children or roommates or friends or parents, you don't need to think when you and your spouse have an argument, God's going to get you. All right? 
So don't always think judgment as a motivation to deal with difficult people. There is a different type of motivation. And that motivation comes in the context of the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 and 13 tells us how to treat one another when we have issues. So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. The idea of patience here is a bearing with one another. Not because of some huge sin. It could be little irritating issues and complaints. And the motivation for patience and forgiveness is because the Lord has forgiven you. Did you see it in the passage? Colossians 3.13 Just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. You see, if you have a hard time extending patience to others, it's because you're forgetting the patience that God has extended to you. You are a target of God's patience. And when you fail to be patient with others, it's as if you are saying, God does not need to be patient with me. And if that is your thinking, your theology is wrong because God needs extensive patience with you and with me and he expects us to extend that to others. The passage that was read this morning comes from 1 Timothy 15 and 16. It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners among whom I am foremost of all. Yet for this reason I found mercy, so that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example for those who would believe in him for eternal life. Paul is saying, I am the chief of sinners. And since Jesus displayed his unlimited patience with me, then no sinner is out of reach of God's patience. No sinner is out of reach of God's patience. No matter what you have done to mess up your life in hurting others, offending God, breaking his law and his commands, you are never out of reach of God's patience because that was the whole point of Jesus Christ coming to this earth. Jesus Christ came to this earth because of God's patience with you, because he would be totally justified in all of his holiness to totally send you to hell. ASAP did not have to rescue you. In his holiness, he could judge all of us. But in his great patience with you and with me, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, who lived a perfect life in our place, placed upon the cross, bearing the wrath of God so that through his death, burial, and resurrection, God's unlimited can be displayed to you by faith. 
You see, it's through repentance and faith in Jesus, you're accepting God's patience upon you, his mercy, his grace, his forgiveness, and you receive this by faith in Jesus Christ. And get this, his patience continues on with you even as you walk with him as he is slow to anger as he suffers long with you, as he's patient with you. He sees your issues, and he still shows up the next day to show love once again. And since you have been a target of God's patience, that should spill out of you on to others. I read this book. It's a book that was written to women. Do not judge me. I read all types of books. This book is called The Fitting Room, Putting on the Character of Christ. And in this book, one woman describes God's patience with her by describing how her life was like Tarzan. She was swinging from one tree to the next, of one newfound God to the next newfound God to the next newfound God in order to find fulfillment and happiness. So she swung to one tree of having a shimmering music career. And then she swung to the next tree of earthly success. And then she swung to the next tree of looking for another human to fulfill her. And as she tasted the fruit of each tree, the Lord kept saying to her, you don't want the tree, you want the author of the forest. You don't want the tree, you want the author of the forest. I want you to think back to just this week, not even your whole life, just this week, how many different trees have you been swinging from, one to the other, thinking that somehow that is going to fulfill you, and yet, where's God? Patient. He's patient with you. He's suffering long with you. As often, my heart and your heart tries to find satisfaction outside of him. And as if God has targeted you with his patience, so now you must target others with that same patience. So if you find yourself impatient and going off on others, your theology is slipping. It's slipping because you're forgetting God's extended patience with you. Well, that's people. The rest is not going to get much easier. Next is timing. I'm, I'm just wondering, don't raise your hand, but is anybody right now going through some maddening timing issues? It's almost like you want life to get on with it. The waiting is driving you crazy, and you haven't been very Christ-like in your waiting. Well, there is a story in the Bible that I'm going to tell you that is so brief. It's about two people and two different kinds of waiting. One was called King Saul and one was called King David. Two different types of waiting. Stick with me. One was King Saul. He was up against the Philistines, who was a vast army. And his army was puny, a lot of deserters. People in his army were hiding. And he was told, wait for the prophet Samuel to come and make a sacrifice. As soon as Samuel shows up on the scene and makes the sacrifice, then you will have victory in this battle. 
But Saul, being very impatient, took matters into his own hand, made the sacrifice to force God's hand to secure victory. God judges him and strips the kingdom from Saul. Now, on the other hand, we have King David. If you remember King David, he was the anointed king. God placed him, anointed him as king. And yet, even though he was the anointed king, he wasn't immediately ruling. Saul still was. But what did David do? Did he try to force God's hand and say, well, I'm the anointed one. Get out of here, Saul. Let me be king. Did he push his way through? No, he patiently waited on the timing of God. In fact, it says this in the book of Psalms. David says in Psalm 40, verses 1 and 2, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. He brought me up out of the pit of destruction, out of the miry clay, and he set my feet upon a rock, making my footsteps firm. When you find yourself waiting, are you more like Saul or David? Do you find yourself trying to force the hand of God? Or do you find yourself pulling back and trusting in God's perfect control and timing? For those of you who have children who have strayed from the Lord, maybe they are adult children, the temptation is to cut them off, to almost like keep them at arm's length because you're thinking maybe as I ostracize them, then that will force God's hand, then it will force their repentance. And yet what's probably needed is your patience with them, your long-suffering with them, your praying for them, and trusting in the sovereignty of God and His timing to do what He's going to do. So in timing, think about Saul and think about David. Well, as we continue on, we got this issue of suffering. And I know that some of you right now are going through a lot of pain and suffering and physically and emotionally circumstances and maybe it's maddening maybe some uh, addiction is just hanging around and it is just a mess so how are you doing with, with patience in your suffering are you clinging to the lord or are you think about bailing are you persevering abiding in him or are you trying to run away from the Lord? Don't you ever wonder, what did the people in the New Testament do when they were experiencing trials and suffering? What did they do? What was their mindset? And if you ever can ask that question, you might want to think, huh, maybe I should do what they did. Crazy idea, I know. But what they did is that they hoped in the return of Jesus. And I know that's not popular to talk about anymore. I mean, really? This past week, did you even think about the return of Christ? I mean, that's kind of outside of our, our minds about time, but not the New Testament Christians. Under pers persecution and suffering, they hoped in the return of Christ. 
Let me read this to you from the book of James. This is a, a lengthy passage to live in this week. James 5, 7 through 11. It says, Therefore be patient. You can underline that in your Bible circle. Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. The farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil, being patient about it, until it gets the early and late rains. You too be patient. Strengthen your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is near. Do not complain, brethren, against one another, so that you yourselves may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing right at the door. As an example, brethren, of suffering and patience, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We count those blessed who endured. You have heard of the endurance of Job and have seen the outcome of the Lord's dealings, that the Lord is full of compassion and is merciful. When you experience suffering, what do you do? Do you grumble against others? Do you complain in general? Do you just complain out loud, life is not fair? Instead, New Testament believers, what are they doing? They're patient. And they're waiting for the return of the Lord. Just as, as Job patiently waited for the Lord's mercy and his suffering, so we wait in ours for the mercy at the return of Jesus. I really press that to you. If you're suffering in your body, emotionally, whatever right now, to put your hope in the return of Christ. Well, then there's this idea of being patient with yourself. Your own self can be maddening as change seems slow. And maybe some of you are in your life right now where you keep falling back into the same trap. When I was in Chicago this past week, I, I met a very godly man. Loves the Lord. Follows Jesus. Rooted in his word. But as, he, as I was talking to him, he told me that he went back on a binge. And not just kind of binge like you think, oh, like an alcohol binge. We're talking about hard drug binge. Never would have thought about of this guy, this church-going brother in the Lord, but it's his past, and he has a past of hard drugs. And he was telling me how he relapsed this past fall. Now, what should he do? Should he wallow and beat himself up and just focus inward and say it's the end of the world? I would suggest another option, that as God has suffered long with him, he must suffer long also with his own self. This is what the Apostle Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. This is a good one. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it, yet the one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul's not dwelling and lingering on his past sins, but he's moving forward in the righteousness of Christ. And I would say that if you have fallen, and you want to keep beating yourself up. you got to be wise. you got to know yourself. But if you're beating yourself up, I would say that you are not looking to the cross enough. For every look at yourself, take 99 looks at the cross. You got it? This week, for every look inward of yourself that you want to say, what am I doing? 99 looks at the cross. 
Do we have forgiveness? Do we have grace? Be patient with your growth in Christ. And lastly, you're going to think this is interesting. I'm talking about this to a retirement community. This idea of pace. Because many of you would say, well, my pace is really slowed down. Okay, so I'm not talking to any of the retirees in here because I'm sure you don't have issues with pace anymore. You're healed. So for those of you who still work, still go to school, and you have pace issues, and I even say for the retirees who have pace issues, this is for you. Because maybe your pace in life is maddening. And what you're doing in your pace is you're, you're creating impatience within yourself. Maybe you are impatient in driving. I cannot drive in downtown Hot Springs. It drives me nuts. All those tourists gawking, forgetting how to drive. I get so impatient. Maybe you are impatient at the store, the restaurant, with coworkers. I don't know. Maybe you're impatient with your spouse. Maybe you're impatient with grandkids. It's almost like people need to pick up the pace to keep up with you, and if they don't, they will feel your wrath. Anybody? Anybody? <laughs> Once there was this man who moved his family to the Chicago area, and as he moved to Chicago, the pace for he and his family picked up. He called his spiritual mentor and described the pace, and he asked his spiritual mentor, what can I do to be healthy? And this is what his mentor said. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. And the guy was on the phone. He's like, all right, great. Now, I wrote that one down. What's next? And the mentor said, oh, no, there's nothing next. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Now, there's nothing wrong with being busy because of all the responsibilities, but you know it crosses the line into hurry. And you can feel the difference between busyness and the pace of hurriedness, and it must be ruthlessly eliminated. And rather than giving you a passage for this one, I want to point back to a biblical practice of Sabbath. Oh, we don't talk about that much in this church, do we? Sabbath. You see, Sabbath can create perspective for your pace. Sabbath can slow you down and fuse you with patience. Once I read a book about Sabbath keeping and a book by Kevin DeYoung called Crazy Busy. It's a good book. And one of his titles of a chapter is, You Better Rest Yourself Before You Wreck Yourself. I like that. Rest yourself before you wreck yourself. And concerning the Sabbath command, he says that the Sabbath command primarily points to the rest we should find in Christ alone for salvation. And practically this means that Christians don't observe the Sabbath as they would have in the Old Testament. The Sabbath may no longer contain the ceremonial portions but the Sabbath is still nonetheless a gift of rest for you. Sabbath was created for man, right? Not man for the Sabbath. And there are rhythms that you can have in your life and your week where you can take these breaks. 
And I don't want to get into any laws or rules on what you're supposed to do on this day of rest. But keep in mind, Sabbath rest will show you that you are not God. It will slow your pace down. It will pull you back. It will show you what's important. It will show you what's going on in your heart and your pace. I brought something here to show you. It's about this guy named Bob Goff. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. I'll be talking about him over the next couple of weeks. He's a, a lawyer and a popular speaker. Flies all around the world. He's admittedly a very impatient man, and it drives those around him crazy. So one day, he just happened to be reading a, a children's book, and the children's book was about buckets. And the simple premise of this book was, we will become in our lives what we put in our buckets. We will become in our lives what we put in our buckets. And so he knew that he needed to fill his bucket with patience, so he went out and he bought a bucket. In fact, he bought a bucket just like this one. By the way, this is the bucket I feed my cows and goats with. It's pretty nasty. But he went out and got a bucket just like this. And what Bob Goff did, he wanted to fill his bucket with impatience because his bucket was filled with impatience, so he carried a bucket everywhere he went. In cars, on subways, everywhere. He would go to the airport with his luggage and his bucket, and people would say to him jokingly, do you have a bladder problem? And he would jokingly back say, yes, I do, but I have a greater problem, and that is of impatience. And so this would remind him every day, everywhere he went, Lord, fill me with your patience. Jesus, give me your love. Take away my impatience. Show me how to slow the pace and love and be patient with others. Fill my bucket with your love and patience. Is it you're dealing with people that are very hateful towards you? Maybe you leave in 1 Peter 2. Or you're dealing with difficult people you need to be patient with. You're reminded of God's patience to you in Colossians 3, 1 Timothy 1. Maybe timing issues are stirring you up and you find yourself more like Saul. Well, then like David, you need to live in Psalm 40. And maybe it's suffering issues. You've not thought about the Lord's return and the renewal of all things in a long time. You need to hang out in James 5. Or maybe you're very discouraged with yourself. Maybe you need to forget the past and press on in Christ, Philippians 3. Or maybe your pace is out of control and you need to live in this Sabbath rest. I totally believe that God, through His Word, by the power of the Holy Spirit, uses His Word as a means to produce patience. This Christ-like reaction to all that is maddening. Like I said, two of the three things that I've mentioned, and here is the third, and it brings us back to eat, love, pray. And since we're on the topic of patience, let's talk about golf, love, pray. <laughs> and the idea is that we are to be intentional with our lives to love other people, whether that's asking them out for a meal whether that's going to play golf with them, and while we are with them, to love them, to encourage them, 
to share the gospel with them maybe, to build them up. And when it's done, on our own, to pray for them. Maybe pray for their salvation. Maybe pray for the things they shared with you. And here is where patience is required. This is something we repeat. We don't just go eat with someone once and we're done. It's not a program. We don't just play golf once and then we're done. This is something we repeat. And when you start to love other people, you will notice that some of them are difficult to love. And you may start to get impatient with them. And you don't want to be around them as much. Maybe they become an irritant. Maybe they're so hardened to the gospel that you can't stand to be around them and you need patience. And the only way you can exhibit patience is to have a right theology that you are a target of God's overwhelming and overriding patience. And as he has aimed patience at you, may you now aim it at others. We hope you enjoyed this message. It was preached recently at Village Bible Church. You can hear this message or let others know about it by visiting our website at vbchsv.org or call us at 922-0404. Meanwhile, have a blessed day as you walk along the way, guided by God's Word.